Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank, I'm Branham. Tank rules in two minutes. 8863, I called out the refs on Twitter. I tagged the NFL and NFL officiating. My account was put under review. That's interesting. He said really? they don't like it. There's no accountability. They don't want to be held accountable. It'll never happen. NFL officials don't care. Like they don't. They, they, whoever's handling NFL officials is not caring if random fans are are tagging them. And if you think that's like all of a sudden making them accountable, it's not. Like you're wasting your time by tagging the NFL and tagging NFL officiating. Like it, to me, you're accomplishing nothing. Yeah, they they really aren't going to respond to you. The only thing that they're going to hear and listen to are going to be when the Daryl Morries of the world and teams in every sport put together their their video of all the complaints that they have and submit them, and then the head of officiating will or will not crack down or make calls to certain officials. But to that level, I'm also going to tell you that they are constantly being called and told about points of points of, of contention to worry about, to start focusing more on. Uh, I've been in the meeting rooms. I know from, from personal experience that the league tells you you are start as an officiate as an official in our league. We want you to focus on this. We've seen it go haywire in the NFL because of the years with the pass interference and the ways that they tried to over scrutinize pass interference calls and challenges and all that stuff. And then they kind of scaled it back. We've seen it with the quarterback and the extra hits and the and now they're going overboard on that too. But it happens in every league. You just don't know about it. Yeah, D'Amico talked about it in his press conference uh, yesterday, too, that th- these coaches send in plays that they disagree with, and the oh, NFL correct. officials, they'll or the, whoever's head of officiating, will say, hey, we got it wrong, uh, this is why we called it, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't really matter, but it, it happens. And, it, and random dudes on Twitter, like, adding NFL officiating, like, you know, it's silly. Um, this is going to make Uncle Jack proud. Do we need to institute the tank rules? We, we did this with Jordan, like wrap him in bubble wrap, don't let him play left field, uh, make sure he doesn't smoke or smell the smoke in Atlanta, you know, make sure his hotel pillow is just right, that way he doesn't sleep on it wrong and have to fly home while he's in Tampa Bay. All, all of the Jordan rules that we have in place, I think we're up to like 64 Jordan rules. Is it time to implement some tank rules as well? Um, he hasn't been returning kicks lately. It's because the Mims guy, they've they've been calling him up from the practice squad because it seems like a Houston Texan receiver is out every single game. It'd be nice if their core four could all play in the same game, uh, but they haven't been able to. Noah Brown, the latest, has missed back-to-back games, so they've called up the Mims guy who they've been using in the kick game. He's returning kicks. He's returning punts, which means that Tank Dell doesn't have to. We also saw Tank Dell take some hits. And one of Tank's, like, we, we talked about it pre-draft, we talked about it preseason, we talked about it all throughout the year, is that Tank is elusive and he's good at avoiding hits. It seems like Tank is trying to play like a Tank lately because he's not really avoiding these big hits. Now, some of this is out of necessity. Like, he had the end around the other day on first and 10 where he had to lower the shoulder a little bit to pick up an extra two yards to get the first down. He had the throw over the middle where C.J. Stroud kind of let him out to dry a little bit. Where he Fortunately, it looked like he like leapt, leaped over most of the defender and didn't really absorb most of that hit. But we're seeing Tank kind of absorbing these hits. He is little. He is very, very small. If Tank has taken three or four of these hits every single game, and he's already had a concussion this year. Let's not forget he's already been he's already had a concussion and missed a game and a half, 
he missed a half of one game and then all of the next yeah. game. So he's already had a concussion. He's taken some big hits. Fortunately, he's not returning kicks as of right now. Do we need to institute some tank rules to keep tank healthy? I'm not opposed to it because of how impactful he is game in, game out. I think that he's made really good business decisions throughout the year. Yeah, he had a concussion, but for the most part, he's done a better job than I thought was going to be possible for him to avoid getting really big, solid, bone-crushing hits. But overall, when you look at how important Jordan is to the Astros' offense and why we instituted the Jordan rules, next to C.J. Stroud, and because of C.J. Stroud, the last thing you can afford to do is have Tank down miss time and be out for any significant amount of time. So I'm all for it because of the fact that I said from the jump I didn't want him running back punts and kicks because I thought that he was going to be impactful, and I also was... Really, really worried about if he took a solid hit or two. So if that's what we need to do, then I'm all for it because that dude's too important to this offense. No matter what you say about the other receivers that have been better than advertised, Tank Dell is it for the wide receiver room, and I can't afford to lose him. Tank is uh, second in receptions on the team. He's got 47 behind Nico at 50. He's second on the team in receiving yards. He's at 709. Nico is at 800. He leads the team in touchdowns with seven. He's one of your... If he's not your best receiver, he's your top two receiver. He's one of your top two receivers that you have. He's small. He's fragile. He's had a concussion before. Uh, I've I've advocated for Tank Dell to return at least punts. Kicks don't really matter. They kick him out of the back of the end zone right. uh, because he's electric in the return game. But he's so valuable to you offensively that I'm okay if he never returns a punt again this season. Also, like when he's on offense. Like I don't love him taking that huge hit at the, the end of the end, like at the end of the end around yeah. play. Where he, I know he had to get the first down. I get it. It's just something where I kind of hold my breath, make sure he gets up all right. Yeah, he's got to go all out to try to make that catch over the middle. But boy, that could have been a massive hit. Uh, to me, they need to protect, protect Tank at all costs. Now it's football. It is a violent sport. You're going to have to go make plays from time to time. But whenever you can. Whenever you can, I do want to see some tank rules where they're, they're keeping them safe. It, it is harder to make these rules versus the Jordan rules. It is. I think, so what's clear, number one rule, Tank Dell does not do kick returns or punt returns Agreed. unless it's an absolute emergency situation. You poo-pooed on Uncle Jack when he when he texted that the other day. I know. I, know. I, like, I, I, I think I did too for, I would, for what it's worth. It's funny. Who's be- Uncle Jack? Uncle Jack's my Uncle Jack. Did I miss that? I think. I guess so. I guess so, yeah. Maybe Was I out? No, no, you're very so. much in the conversation. Um, okay. That's number one. <laughs> I didn't know it was your real uncle. Yeah, I have a bunch of uncles. I, and Uncle Barney. Yeah. I think my second rule is he needs at least nine targets a game. That's a good rule. <laughs> like, those are the only two rules I can think of. No kick returns and punt returns unless emergency situation, nine targets a game. I think, uh, like, a caveat or an extension to clause in that rule is, and at least two of them have to be deep balls. Because he yeah. seems to sure. have a knack to go get them and make plays happen, whether there was motion prior to the pass or not. He goes and gets even the balls that he's not supposed to catch. So I think at least two of them have to be long down the field. Good with that. I'm cool with the target number. Now, I don't want to. I don't want Stroud like just looking in and locking in on one receiver because I think Stroud's at his best when he's progressing through all of his targets. But I'm totally fine with Tank getting nine targets a game. Dre says uh, Tank does not need to return punts. Hey, it's Back. another opportunity for him to get hurt. Uh, 75 Truth says he can return in the Super Bowl. That's fine. 
That, that's fine. If you, are, you're returning we, punch in the Super Bowl, that's okay. Are we gonna? Are we good on making a rule that we don't want him to get the the end around or the the flip in motion? Because <sighs> they've been effective like plays. He's been really good at making business decisions when he gets to it. It's just that to me, to be honest with you, from the start of the year on, the two guys you didn't want to see take hits were Tank and CJ, and now it's even hyper. I I was baffled that it took as long as the Arizona game for CJ to get crushed like that. Slowick was talking about Tank the other day, and he says he thinks he's Nico Collins in the run game. And I was like, I don't want him to think like he's Nico Collins in the run game. He doesn't have the frame that Nico Collins has. So, like, the end around was a first and ten play. He lowered his shoulder to get an extra two yards to guarantee the first down. If Tank kind of just dies at the defender's feet there, because you see receivers do that all the time. They catch a ball over the middle, and they immediately go down, so they, they avoid a hit, which he needs to be doing. Um, on that end of round, if Tank dives at the feet of the defender, does not get the first down, but he does not take a hit. So you're looking at either doesn't take the hit, second and one, or takes the hit, first and ten. Down matters. So like, you, that's a first down play. So you're cool with him taking the get hit Get on there. the ground. So you're so you rather have second and one. No question. I think I'm with you. No doubt about it. If this is third down and there's a ton rolling on it for the game or for like a playoff spot, that's a different story. But like third quarter. Yeah. First down play. 12. Get your ass on the turf. I think I'm with you. Like, and and that sounds crazy to say. And it's not his personality to do that at all. It's not his frame to endure. well, it is his frame to endure. <laughs> no, it is his frame to endure, but he doesn't have the frame to endure he doesn't have what you're asking. To That's what I meant. Yeah, I don't want him doing that. I, I I think I'm with you, too. Dre says Tank stays outside the hashes. I disagree with that because he's so good over the middle, like on these drags and these in routes and stuff like that. But whenever he catches a ball on the hashes, like if there's a defender within a yard bubble around you, down. No doubt. Tyree Kill's been making too a living valuable. off of this. He's too valuable to be taking hits. He's too valuable. Alex says Tank will minimize plays over the middle. I'll go with minimize. I'm not going to go he needs to stay outside the hashes, though. He's extremely smart at being able to get down, but I think that there's like an unwritten rule. Yeah, but there's an unwritten rule book that has been put out there by Tyree Kill on how to make business decisions. Mm-hmm. Still get yards, still get chunk plays. But when that play looks to be kind of unraveling, get your ass down. 75 True says Tank Dell equals Bubble Boy in Seinfeld. It's a good call. That's what I wanted Jordan Alvarez to look like so he doesn't ever get hurt because he's too valuable to the te- to the Astros offense. Like Tank Dell is too valuable to the uh, to the Texans offense. Yeah, but he's not soft. Uh, Tank? Yep. No, he's not soft. He's mm. not. And that's part of the issue. That's part of the problem. That's like like Jordan being soft kind of helps us protect Jordan because he's already kind of soft. Tank's not soft. But this is where you protect Tank from himself then because you need to step in and make sure that he doesn't try to be too tough and take one big hit that he doesn't need to take. Uh, I'm with you. Like He's too valuable to not have on the field. You need these tank rules. A key from L.A., he says, uh, or a key from Kirby, I should say, he says, why do you think his name is Tank? Well, his name is Tank because he had a big, big head as a baby. Piece. Yeah, yeah, he had a big head as a baby, and his mom said that he looked like a tank, so that's why his name is Tank. Uh, someone else asked, is Tank smaller than Deshaun Jackson? Yeah. That he is. Uh, Deshaun's 5'10", 175. Tank is 5'10", 165 pounds. He's 10 pounds smaller than Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Robbie could not hang on, but he wanted to know how much of what you saw. Obviously, Jeremy, you were there at most of the games. How much you saw when he was at University of Houston. How many big hits he took. I didn't see him take a whole lot of big hits at U of H. That's why I'm surprised he's been taking so many big hits in the NFL. I mean, it's a big jump well, from the American yeah, Athletic is. Conference. To yeah, the NFL. but I mean, he's like, in, if I, I mean, go back to that run that he had against Jacksonville. He lowered his shoulder and sought out contact. Like he's a tough, dude. You know, a lot of times you duck out of bounds. A lot of times you get over the middle. You kind of dive down a little bit. Uh, if like, I mean, every now and then he would do that, but 
Tyreek like tried to trunk it. And Tyreek Hill is a rock, right? I mean, he's he's yeah. rocked up and he's a lot stronger. Tyreek Hill's been doing this. He 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 wrote the manual on how to do this. Look, and it's fun in the moment. Like I get it. It's fun when Tank lowers his shoulder to fight for an extra yard to get a first down early in the fourth quarter in you know the eleventh game of the season for the Houston Texans. Six one six seven goes. I e Welker had seven concussions. I don't know if he had seven concussions, but Wes Welker had a lot of concussions. Tank's already had one. Like I'm looking big picture for Tank. He's way too important for the Houston Texans offense to start racking up these concussions. It ain't fun when that lowered shoulder costs you a month of the season when you could ill afford to lose Tank Dell. You can't do that because of the fact that you got to protect him from himself, protect his frame from the fact that he doesn't have the kind of frame that Tyreek Hill has. And he is such a massive part of your offense, you can't afford to lose him. Yeah. So, uh, I'm of uh, I'm thinking big picture. Way too good. Big picture. Let's keep that in mind, Tank. I don't want to hear Bobby Sloak. He's Nico Collins in the run game, and I love that. Okay, you're you're here for a year then, if that's the way you're thinking. You're trying to damage my Tank Dell. Don't do that. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. Someone texted in and said, Robbie must have been hanging out with Chris. Caller Robbie, who couldn't hang on long, Joe? Chris earlier, who had to... Still not heard from Chris. And I'm worried. Chris, Chris, Chris absolutely please? is the car wreck of the day, but we need to send an ambulance to make I sure he's like okay. I almost I'm don't want to make him. <laughs> I, don't no. know I, I don't want to nominate him because what if something actually happens? Chris, can you send a note letting us know that you're all right? We're going to see like you know smoke screens in the in the distance. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. The hot the hot stove season's heating up. Uh, the rumor mill heating up as well. Three interesting Astro rumors, speculation that are out there. Alex Bregman, is he long for the Astros? Is there any smoke to the Luis Robert fire to the Strohs as well? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, guys, before we go to the break, tell you about Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at so many things. A lot of people don't realize he does other things than the Neograph, but he does. So when you're thinking about that gift that keeps on giving this holiday season for your significant other, he does Botox. He does plastic surgery. And there's just another reason why you need to reach out to Doc Linville and his staff. What I think he does the best, as well as he does anything else that he does, it's the Neograph procedure. You've heard me talk about this because I've got personal experience with it. I can't tell you what a difference maker it is to get more hair on your head, whether it's in front at your hairline or the baboon's butt that rears its head on the top of your dome piece and makes you want to run and hide instead of being confident in your appearance when you go out to a dinner or a function or a date or whatever you're doing. This is why I'm telling you about the Neograph procedure because the fact that you're an ESPN 97.5 listener gets you an added bonus. You don't have to pay 150 bucks for a consultation with Doc and his staff to try and figure out if the Neograft is right for you. You get it for free. Go to 975hair.com. Sign up for it. Go get it. Nothing to sign on the dotted line for. No money out of pocket. No commitment necessary. Just you getting answers to your questions and finding out if you're the next candidate to absolutely reap the benefits of the Neograft. What is it? It's taking hair from where you were never going to lose it, and genetically, Doc explained it to me and during my consultation. You're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. Taking some of that and repurposing it where you need it most. If it's in the front because your forehead's become an eight head, go get it. If it's that bald spot on the top that you're trying to cover up, go get it because it's going to make a difference almost immediately. You'll see the follicles. They're going to be there. They're, they're visual with the eye, but in six to nine months when those follicles get stronger and longer and they're not going anywhere, gang, because of the fact that, like I told you, genetically, he's taken them from a spot where they never disappear. 
and 95 to 99% of the follicles he moves, they stay, they grow, they get longer, they get stronger. They're with you as long as you're on this planet. That's a game changer. Check them out today and tell them I sent you by because I think they are the best in the business. Could not be happier with the Neograph procedure I had. You need to check it out and see if it's right for you, too. Go to 975hair.com. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. He's Blank. I'm Branham. Someone texted in and uh, Tom and Beaumont. Boys, it's easy to say, dude is a football player. He's not going to play to not get hit. It doesn't go like that. I understand. But you, you see receivers that do over the middle, kind of get down quick, dive down, avoid big contact. That happens frequently. And Tank, Tank has done that. Um, but he also plays like Nico Collins. I don't think that's a great thing. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Hot Stove, there's been some names that have come off. Sonny Gray came off. St. Louis got Sonny Gray after I was making fun of St. Louis for signing a bunch of awful starting pitchers, and then they got a really good dude. Um, Someone just reported, I think it was John Morosi, says that the Giants are prioritizing Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto in free agency. That would make sense. San From Fran a lot tried, of different angles. They tried to spend money on Aaron Judge last year. I think Otani and Yamamoto want to play together. Um, I could see that happening. That, I, market, that market is perfect as I w- well. I want it to happen. I, I think that would be the, from a Houston Astro perspective, oh, Shohei Otani landing on the San Francisco Giants might be best case scenario. He's out of the American League. Mm-hmm. He's not with the Dodgers, who we all hate. Sorry, Key from L.A. He's not with the Cubs, the lovable losers who are completely useless by September. And I don't think that the Giants were like World Series contenders with them. That's a perfect landing spot from an Astro perspective. Even if they get both players, fight it all out in the National League, go get them, and good luck to you. And that's great for me. Because of the fact that the Astros still have a window of opportunity open here for the next couple of years, I, I'm all for that. I, I'm with you 150%. The Dodgers keep swinging and missing and spending money and falling in sh- up short because they're the Utah Jazz in the playoffs. But at the same time, one of these days they're going to get it right by finding a guy that's going to actually help them get better without their video coordinator. I, 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 I'm I fine with both of them going to the Giants. Yeah, I think this would be uh, this would be really good. Uh, a lot of the conversation about the Houston Astros, as a note, uh, Jim Duquette, former Mets general manager, he was uh, on the MLB, MLB Network radio, and he suggested that the Astros could be shopping Alex Bregman. Now, he wouldn't be surprised if the Astros traded Bregman this offseason, that he's played his last game with the Astros. Bregman, of course, entering the final year of his deal. It pays like 28 and a half, maybe up to 30, mm-hmm. but the AAV on it's $20 million, which is something to note. The AAV, which counts to the competitive balance tax, is $20 million, whereas what Jim Crane is paying him is $30 million. So, like, People are like, well, you're shedding $30 million from the payroll. No, no, you're shedding $20 million from the competitive balance tax. Uh, what do you think the plausibility is of Alex Bregman being traded by Dana Brown this offseason? I, I just don't see it happening. I think he's such a key piece still, and I know that he had a bit of a roller coaster of a season, and he got hot, and then he would cool off, and he was scrutinized a ton, and a lot of it was by us, and then it was deserving. But I think that... It, that's too soon to move on from Alex Bregman. I, I don't know what the answer would be. I don't know where they would get the next Alex Bregman. I don't think Billy Wagner's kid is ready yet to play consistent third base. I think they take a step back if they lose Alex Bregman this offseason. So I think it's too soon. And I think a lot, too, would depend on what you get back. If you're getting back just prospects and unloading salary, 
then that's a, a horrible indication that the the run is over for the Astros. And I don't think that Jim Crane and everybody involved is ready to move on just yet. So I don't I, I don't think they move on from him between now and the start of the the training camp or the regular season. I think it's too harsh of a statement to say that the window is closed if you trade Alex Bregman. I, I still think that the window could be very Depends on what you well get, open. You could also use some money and sign a third baseman. Not that there's any great third baseman that are available, but I still think the Astros would be championship contenders even if they trade Alex Bregman. I, I agree with you that I don't think that the possibility of trading Bregman's very high. I also don't hate the move, though. Uh, now, I question, what's your option for third base if you are trading Bregman? I agree that there's not a third baseman ready to take over, at least in my opinion. Um, so you're taking a step down in that position. But I'm a big fan of trading players before they walk for free. I am very much a big picture, well, not a small picture uh, kind of viewpoint whenever I'm building or thinking about building a roster. I'm looking at the forest and not the tree. Uh, I probably would have traded Correa before he left. I probably would have traded Springer before he left. So... I'm a fan of these type of moves. Uh, I would be a fan of Dana Brown did it. But I need to know, like, okay, well, what's the plan at third base if you are moving on for Bregman in 2024? I hope that you have a really good option available that we don't know about. Uh, maybe you're trading for a little bit lesser of a third baseman, but because of the money that you're saving, it enhances your bullpen. Maybe it brings you a bat in left field, something like that. So I don't hate this. It intrigues me. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I'd love Matt Chapman at third base at the right price. Yeah, they're not going to. They're not going to trade. But, yeah, they're not going to trade Bregman to go get on him. So I, I, I just, to me, I do think that he's a vital cog for this upcoming season still for this team, and and that I believe that they're he's good, they're going to rely on him. So I mean, look, at a certain point, you still have the trade deadline where you can move on from Alex Bregman and get something for him if things aren't going right or he's not working out or he's. His price tag is going to be so high, and you guys are so far apart. You don't think there's any way of moving forward with him. But a lot depends on where the team is at that point. I just don't think this offseason, the hot stove league, the hot stove heating up, that's one thing. But I just don't think between now and the start of the regular season they're going to move him. Well, I, I, I agree. It, one of the issues that I have with this, too, is that I don't love the free agents at third base. Like, if Justin Turner was three years younger and he could still play a solid third base and you can sign him for $12 million on one year to kind of bridge the gap, okay, you can kind of convince me that trading Bregman for, even if it's prospects, like, even if it's prospects to rebuild the pipeline, like, okay, I can listen to that if you're signing t Turner for $12 million and then you can go out and get a really good reliever. Like, are you better with Turner and a really good reliever and then those prospects versus Alex Bregman? You could sell me on that. Turner had a good year. But I don't, yeah, I don't think he plays third base well enough to play him over there, though. No, they were playing him at first. They were moving yeah, him around. He, I think he's lost Offensively, the ability to play he had third a good base. Year. Yeah. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if Turner could give you decent defense, that would be something that intrigues me more. But Turner's 39 years old. I don't want him to play third base every single day. I don't think he's capable of doing it. So, the fact that there's not, like, a bargain free agent that I like at third base, like, even, even Candelario, like, he's going to get a huge deal. I, I like, he's going to get tons of money. Like, I like Candelario. They're projecting him at, like, 11 million. But part of it for me, it's like, what's the other move? Exactly. Like, are you trading Alex Bregman to the San Francisco Giants for uh, Luciano, their top shortstop prospect? Are you trading him to the Red Sox for their top shortstop prospect? Like, uh, to me, like, if, if I had a dream, I'm calling the Orioles and trying mm -hmm. to find some way to get one of their top infielders. Like, Jackson Holiday. Obviously, you're not going to get him, but like they have a ton of great players. Someone texted in and said Kobe Mayo. I'm not familiar with Mayo, well, but he says they have a top third base prospect. They're in win now mode, so I could see that trade happening. 
that intrigues me. Are you chasing a shortstop prospect to make him a third baseman, or are you no. doing something with Pena? I think you're talking I, about good infielders. No, I, I'm saying that you you sign like Candelario, and then you're you're chasing someone to replace Pena. I, I might be in the minority mm, of that, but like if, if you have a top Candel- prospect, like if you're trading Bregman, you're not going to spend that much on Candelario. No, you're not, and that's the problem. Like I just don't see it's like two plus two equals five. I, I just don't I don't get the idea of how you move on from Alex Bregman. I could and see still it, want to win a World Series. I could see year. it in this scenario. I could see a Bregman for a top infield prospect that's ready to play right now. Because now you're trading one year of Bregman for six years of this prospect. Now, the prospect better be good. And I don't, I don't know anything about Kobe Mayo. I don't know anything about the Baltimore Orioles pipeline other than, you know, some of the names that they have. So in doing so, are you, where are you putting Pena? Are you moving him? Pena's playing short. Okay. Pena's playing short. So th- this prospect is going to play third? This, I mean, we're talking generally, but he says that this prospect's a third baseman. Okay. Like, Pena's too good of a shortstop to me to, to be moving yeah, him to third I agree. base. I also don't think Pena's bat is good enough to play at third base. Like no, I, I agree with that, too. That's why I was curious when Joe was going shortstop prospect, shortstop prospect. I'm going, but... Well, a lot of the... I mean, Bregman was a shortstop prospect. A lot of shortstop prospects... But I'm looking third. for someone to play now. Me, too. Like, I would be okay. I, I have no idea about this Kobe Mayo guy. Like, if, if Kobe... And let's just say Prospect X. If the Astros could trade Alex Bregman for Prospect X, just a one-for-one trade, and the guy's supposed to be good and good in the future but can play immediately, I'd be interested in that type of trade because you're trading one year of Bregman. Yes, you're, you're taking a, a drop-off in 2024, but instead of letting Bregman leave forever, you have your third baseman of the future. So I would be willing to take the drop-off for one season for having my future third baseman for the next five. And I don't think that, I mean, obviously you're taking a drop-off at the position, but now because you save $20 million in salary cap space. I know it's not a salary cap in baseball, but it's kind of a salary cap in baseball. Now you turn around and use those $20 million yeah. on maybe a left field bat, maybe a really good reliever. So are you better with Bregman or are you better with the money that you can spend on a left fielder, money that you can spend on a middle reliever, and then a you know a rookie third baseman? As long as they turn around and repurpose it and, they can, and, and, and they can replace that, that offense to some degree too, and the defense, which has been, uh, I think it's underrated to some degree. But yeah, if you can Turn around and repurpose that money immediately into the team for this coming season. Then I'm then I'm fine with exploring. It. If they don't repurpose it, it's an abstract failure. Right. Like you, I, I'm intrigued by the idea of being creative before you let Bregman leave for free. But you had better have a good idea Damn who right, the third baseman's going to be, and then you need to repurpose the money immediately. Because if you don't do those things, now you're talking about well, the Astros are not really prioritizing winning. Sometimes you can prioritize winning by trading a very popular player in the city like you can make the case that trading Bregman for a rookie third baseman a really good reliever because this is how you're spending the money and then like an actual decent left hand uh, left field bat is a better option uh, but you better repurpose it quickly. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What do you think of that idea? Also, is there any smoke to the Luis Robert to Houston stuff? We keep hearing it over and over. Jeff Passan mentioned it, uh, and the Astros today finalized their staff. Do you like the continuity? Under Joe Espada, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Holiday seasons are here. We're going to have Christmas in less than a month, and I have the perfect Christmas gift for you. If you have kids, you have little ones that love sports and love basketball, how about a goal from Pro Dunk? This holiday season, they make the highest quality basketball goals you'll find makes the perfect Christmas gift. Tempered glass backboard, breakaway rim, stainless steel hardware. It's also height adjustable anywhere from five feet to 10 feet. And their accessories are next level LED light kits for night play, backstop nets, pole pad lettering and lots more. Also, their new goal. 
Score! You can raise and lower the goal with a drill, and it happens in within less than five seconds. It's idiot-proof for guys like me. Give four this holiday season. You can order everything, including installation online. Yeah, the pros at ProDunk will come to your place, install your goal at the perfect height, perfectly straight. You don't do a thing. Let the pros at ProDunk do all of the work for you. Give them a call at 281-351-9822 and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. He's Blank. I'm Branham. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Philip has an idea of how to replace Bregman at third. Philip, you're in the hive with the Bees. What's up? Hey, guys. One element I think people are haven't really talked a lot about is the, the trick of the a deal because you need a third baseman, and you can't trade Bregman to a team that already has a third baseman ready to go because they wouldn't be interested in Bregman. They would just go with their young guys. So the way I look at it is got to get your third baseman from somewhere else possibly. And um, a couple names I was thinking about, so like the Orioles are a young team with a low budget with lots of prospects. Could they get Colton Kowser, who can play some center field, Houston native, and can play all three outfield positions, major league ready, for Bregman, where they pair up Bregman and Gunnar Henderson on that side of the infield, and he gives them some championship experience and pedigree on that end. I don't think they would do it unless they could work out an extension ahead of time, but I think it's doable. And then for third base replacement, I would keep my eye on uh, Arenado if the Cardinals will eat half that money. If you could get Arenado for four years, $75 million, and the rest of the Cardinals eat, they got Nolan Gorman ready to step in, and they got Mason Wynn at shortstop. They got some young guys. So maybe they would do a salary dump to save $18 million, $20 million, and you pay $18, 20000000 million instead of paying Bregman 30 Appreciate the call, Philip. I like where your mind is at. Uh, I'm interested with Colton Kowser, too, a local kid. Cy Ranch played his baseball at Sam Houston, too. Really good uh, season at Sam Houston in his freshman year. was phenomenal. Um, I don't know if St. Louis would be interested in trading Arenado, though. They, they seem to be kind of win now. They'll still go for Bending. it. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, think it'd be, I think there's a better chance you could get Gorman yep. uh, than Arenado. I like where your mind's at, though, Philip, because I don't think you can do that in free agency. Because the, the natural thing before you look at the free agent third basements is what, what he just said. You, you trade Bregman for a position of need, for a young player that you don't have to pay a whole lot. That's going to be a cornerstone. Colton Kowser would be that for the foreseeable future. And then you spend the savings on a decent third right. baseman. Uh, there's not really, I think, a decent third baseman that would sign for the amount of money that you would need to sign. But I like where your mind's at. It's creative thinking. I think that the, if, if it were to happen, it needs to be something along those lines. Would you consider, both you guys, would you consider, and I don't know what Chapman's going to cost you, but you trade Bregman for another pro, uh, position of need, as you're saying, but then you commit to the fact that it's more pop, it's a bigger bat, yeah. it, it, you're not you're actually a better defensive third baseman in Chapman, but at what price? Yeah, I think you can kiss that idea goodbye. Like, there, there is no way they're doing that. Like, if they're being – like, trading Bregman, part of it's being cost-conscious because you want to allocate the money under the competitive balance tax at other positions of need, and you want to make sure that you get something for Bregman before. So you're not going to trade Bregman at a $20 million AAV and then sign Chapman for another $20, $25 million AAV. Okay, Joe. Do you have any? I mean, I, I think it's just I'd rather just pay Braggs. I, if you're gonna 
throw down the chat. I mean, I like the idea of it. It just it doesn't doesn't really add up to me. Like I that's where I feel like he's gonna be here, mm-hmm. and then he's just gonna walk, and, and that so sucks too. because it's hard it's hard to replace him. Well, but the thing is, too, the track record's already there because of what Jeremy said he would have done versus what they've done. The fact that they've just let Cole walk, the fact, even regardless of the Yankee situation, if they let Correa walk, if they let Springer walk, they've done this time and time again. It's not going to be any skin off their back if they just ride it out with Bregman and then do what they've done previously on multiple occasions and say, we tried, it wasn't there, give us credit for trying, and don't be mad at us because he's going to go somewhere else, and now we're going to try and replace him. Yeah. But, the, but, but the biggest difference is is that like the, the window has stayed wide open because like you've had Kyle Tucker, you've had Christian Javier and Framber Valdez that just like replaced Garrett Cole. They replaced George Springer. You replaced Carlos Correa, Correa with a World Series MVP. Like who is replacing Alex Bregman? Like that is where I think the, that's why it's so different now than in the past. Same thing with talking about Framber and Tucker in 2025. It's like there's not these prospects that just – fix your problems. Either money has to fix your problems or you probably should trade them mm-hmm. and start focusing on trying to be competitive, maybe not being a World Series team, but a playoff team, and then reopening your window in like 2026. Yeah, I think you can rebalance the finances and still be a championship team next year. Like if you you could trade Alex Bregman now, uh, whether you get creative and how you tr- like, what do you trade him for? Is it a, is it an outfielder? I think naturally it's a third baseman. But Philip brings up a good point. Like, why would a team mm-hmm. trade for a third baseman and then use a third baseman who's major league ready? Now, I think Baltimore is a team that could because they have money to spend. They want somebody who can be effective right away. And I do think it would also require they're really confident that they would sign Bregman to an extension they right got away. A ton of young prospects. It wouldn't be a rental. It would be it would be we're trading them and then we're also signing him to an extension. And then you repurpose the twenty million dollars. Like Dre mentions, we'll. Sign, sign Josh Hader. Uh, maybe you spend an extra seven, eight million. Like, let's just use Michael Brantley's name. Like, you bring back Michael Brantley on a on a seven, eight million dollar deal. So now you sign Hader from twelve to fifteen. You sign Brantley from five to seven. Are you a better team with a rookie third baseman, Josh Hader and Michael Brantley, or with Alex Bregman and like Triple A players that are filling the gaps? So like, you can get creative here. And it, I'm intrigued with Dana Brown because if he's actually kicking around this idea. I am very fascinated to see how he plays it out. Yeah, how do you manipulate the game within mm-hmm. the game to make sure that you become a better team, both long and short term, by giving up a guy that you know so many people are so emotionally attached to right. that as a general manager, too, you got the cajones and stones to be able to say, look, I know you guys have loved this guy. I know what he's meant to this franchise, but I'm trying to make sure that you win now and for the next several years by doing what I need to do regardless of your emotional heartstrings. 9780 says, a, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, it's very much a Tampa Bay Rays move, and people hate that. Well, Tampa Bay's never won a World Series. Tampa Bay's also been a low-market team that doesn't spend money on any free agents. Like, the Astros could go that, that way and then spend a little bit of money on short-term free agents to fill the holes while you know the, the minor league system builds up. Now, it's risky. Uh, 9780 says the Abreu and Montero signings hurt. Yes, they absolutely did. Uh, 6167, you train Hensley. David Hensley's not a big league everyday guy. He might not be a big leaguer, period. He might not be a big league bench guy. He's not a big league third baseman every day. You saw what happened last year. Coming off of what he did during the run where everybody started to get enamored with him, 
he was a non-factor for, for a team that was a factor. I don't think that they have anything. And no one's going to give you a bunch for David Hensley. 5157, could Pena play third base if there's a decent shortstop available? Shortstops are hard to find. Uh, they cost a lot of money. Uh, shortstops are a premium. I'm not looking to move Jeremy Pena to third. I don't think Pena hits good enough to play third base every day. Like He is your shortstop. Jeremy Pena is your shortstop. Uh, 3338, could Dubon play third? Dubon could play third base, but in a pinch, to me, he's a backup third baseman. He's a utility guy. He should not be an everyday third baseman. If Mauricio Dubon is an everyday third baseman on your team, your team is not very good. No, that's what I'm saying. You Then you are showing signs of a team that's starting to press the reset button or is taking a step back for this next season. For this next season, if Dubon's your third baseman, I don't, I don't, I get what he did a year ago. I don't expect him to be able to do all that again, especially as a starting third baseman in Major League Baseball. And defensively, I don't know with it. His whatever you think of his arm, I don't think his glove at third base translates. Um, I don't like it uh, down the lines and 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 just. Dubon's got a strong arm. Yeah, but I, I'm I just think saying, Dubon's I'm got a stronger arm than Pena. I, I'm saying, oh, I don't know about that. I do. Dubon's got a cannon, dude. He's got a. Host. I was actually just watching the uh, Derek Jeter throw he had in the playoffs, or maybe it wasn't the playoffs. It was, they were just playing the Yankees, and he like short hopped it by like Pena? fifteen feet. Yeah, Pena. Pena's got a good enough arm. Pena's arm is is solid. It's not. It's not. I wouldn't call it great. I wouldn't call it good. Uh, Dubon's got a strong arm. I'm more worried about his glove at third. I think Dubon's good enough to play anywhere defensively. I, I think he's a good defensive infielder. Uh, if you can play, if you can play shortstop pretty well, you can play third base well. It's just about learning your you know positioning and your footing and things like that. Um, Jeff Paston, he had an article today, like best moves in free agency or the best moves that can happen in the hot stove. He mentioned the White Sox with a perfect transaction is trading center fielder Luis Robert to Houston. We've heard Luis Robert to Houston, like that name pop up all the time, all the time. Do you think there's smoke to this fire at all? What do you got to give up? How much do you have to give up? Hunter because- Brown. I think, oh. I think that's the answer. Done. I think it, well, I, I mean, there's it. probably more sweeteners and things like yeah, that. Whatever. But I'd the Hunter, Hunter Brown is the centerpiece for Luis Robert yeah, trade. No I'll doubt do that. About it. I'll roll with I that. I love Hunter Brown, but like I am making that trade. Hunter Brown, Eric Getty. Honestly, whatever they really need to get it done, I'm making. I'm making that deal. I don't know if I like this. He's so good. He's so good, but he's like he's he, he seems to get hurt all the time. He's playing center. He plays center. He's right. he's played one full season in his entire career. I know. He's played one. He's always hurt. He's a phenomenal talent. He's had. He's honestly. He's only had one good year in his entire career. It was this past season. He is always hurt, and you're gonna have to pay him pretty soon. What is his contract situation? No, like? no, no, no. I think he's got a couple years yeah, left. He's think, got. Think, he signed through 27. He signed a deal through 2027. Yeah, because they so signed four him years. You would have him from 24, 25, 26, and 27. Uh, that's that's shorter than you have Hunter Brown. That's true, but I I still think like that in center field, like Lewis Robert and. Chaz McCormick as your left field, center field, whatever they end up doing, mm-hmm. it is way more valuable to this team than Hunter Brown is right now. It's risky to me. For a guy who's been injury prone and has had one good season, and you're trading away, what do you think Hunter Brown's ceiling is? His ceiling? His ceiling. His ceiling is like you said a year ago. His ceiling is a Cy Young Award winner, a 1-2 in a rotation. That's a lot to trade for That's a dude who's been ceiling. hurt for four years. His stuff one. is that good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like that. Can he pitch well enough to ever get there? Yeah, can Luis Robert stay healthy enough to? Well, I understand put that, together that's the back to back good of the seasons. Equation. Like I, it, it terrifies me. Like I don't love trade uh, 
paying a premium price for one guy who's been healthy for one of four years. To be fair, he's had I, one good season. I just want to counter years. that just like a little bit. He yeah. technically was healthy for two seasons. You're counting the COVID year where he played 56. No, I know, games. but you're saying four seasons and he played. There's okay. they only played 60 games that year. He played all but four. Okay, two half of his career, half of I the seasons, saying. half of I the think- seasons he's played in, he's been injured prone, hasn't played in over 100 games. The other half, he played 145 games of 162 season, and then the other year was the COVID year. I think it absolutely makes you better next season. If he's healthy. But right now he is. Obviously, it's an if. Can he stay that way? But Hunter Brown was a disappointment last year. Mm-hmm. So for next season, to add a bat and a glove and an athlete like Luis Robert to the line, and assuming they're going to do what we both think that they're going to do and keep Bregman at third, I think you become the most potent offensive team in baseball. I'm going to go stay away from uh, Luis Robert. That's going to be my stance. I don't, I don't like the injury concerns. He hasn't been a guy that like loves ball a whole lot. Like he's been kind of a problem at times in the in the clubhouse. I don't want to play uh, pay a premium price for that kind of guy. Uh, so I'll be the minority here. Uh, Astros have announced their coaching staff as well. They promoted Omar Lopez to bench coach. Good hire. Good hire. Yep, I like it. Uh, Dave Clark has been uh, promoted, or he's been hired as the first base coach. They promoted Jason Bell from the minors to be the quality assurance coach. Took the spot of Dan Farova, whoever that is. Uh, Jason Bell has been on our uh, our show before. We had him back on in 19 maybe follows me on twitter at jeremy branham so all you wise people should do that as well Why and we had him on the show uh dell booked him really Del, yeah dell he was the minor league uh, coordinator whenever he booked him and he was like during the playoff race he booked jason bell and jason bell immediately followed me after that show and hmm. yeah yeah so congratulations to, we have a uh, we have ears in the in the clubhouse at minute Maid park all right 713-780-ESPN um, it's time now for our car wreck of the day presented by carwrecktexas.com. What are your nominations for the car wreck of the day today? It's the killer bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You all right? My leg is broken. The ball's oh, coming through. Let me see. Let me see. Ah! Ball, you brick. Where's my fucking money? This is the Car Wreck of the Day brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. All right, let's get to our nominations for the Car Wreck of the Day presented by CarWreckTexas.com. Got a few on the text line here. What are you nominating, though, Blankers? Chris? Car Wreck of the Day. Yeah, a few <laughs> texters have, re- have said that. It was a double whammy with Chris. Because yeah. the first time we went to him, he wasn't there. But then yeah. you got generous and decided to hang in there when we normally just cut bait. Yeah, I was feeling, I was feeling nice today. Then we go back, and he's... He presents well. His presentation and communication skills are there. And mid-sentence, he pulls the plug and, well, hey, I got to go. I hope he's okay. Didn't he text that he was okay? I didn't see that. We got text that didn't say it was Chris, but, hey, I'm good. Right after you said that, we got a couple texts. Now, I don't know if that was a texter being funny or if that was Chris. I had no, I had no Chris clue. Chris is nominated regardless. Well, good. I hope that was Chris. I hope he's all right. I'm going to nominate Keith from L.A. He says, somehow, somehow y'all found a way to talk about the Astros. Yeah, you get nominated for the car wreck of the day. We we live in Houston. It's the hot stove. It's the off season. We talked about the Astros. That was the first time we talked about the Astros all week. All week. Talked a little bit about the Astros, the best baseball organization in the last since 2017. Just I talked was a little say bit. Something really bad right there bit. about his Dodgers, but we even talked about them yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So I'm nominating Key from L.A. Car wreck of the day. Joe, you have any nominees? 
Chris was my go-to. So. Chris was your go-to. Someone yeah. nominated Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah. No touchdowns. That game sucked. Nom- <laughs> nominated Monday Night Football for the car wreck. Josh from Seabrook nominated Monday Night Football for the car wreck of the day. Um, That game was awful. Oh, jo- my goodness. Jo- Josh, how much of that game did y'all watch? I've been telling First people half. I didn't watch any of it, but I watched every second. Why would you lie to everybody? Because he divorced the Bears, only he's, he didn't. He's a liar. I am I lied. a massive liar. He's a massive liar. Because I'm trying to make it seem like I'm not a total idiot. Here I, I here I am all day thinking you didn't watch a second of that game. And then I, I set up the question. You're like, I watched every I watched every snap of it. Now yeah. you make me look bad. I don't appreciate that you lied to me. I watched Sorry. the first half in the living room. I don't like that. I start I watched the second half. I had it on in bed and I couldn't. I just couldn't. I fell asleep. I um I had it on as I was watching the the all twenty two for the Texans, so it was on the TV. I, I saw the game, but I didn't really have much. I of woke a, up eye to find it. out with seconds left that the Bears were actually going to win. Yeah, that was a bad. That was a bad drive. That was a Lovey Smith esque drive. Cost they, them draft position. They left DJ more wide open. Yeah, it was like both teams were trying to lose. Maybe they were. <laughs> I, I thought that they were trying to win because of what Dobbs did the first two weeks. They got him. I was just kidding. He looked awful though. I didn't actually think they were trying to lose. I definitely I think understand. he's going to get better. I'm just saying, <laughs> Minnesota looked awful for a team that I thought still had playoff aspirations. You said you think they're going to... I mean, they're still trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, they're still... You think they will make the playoffs? No, I think that's how the Rams get in. Uh, someone nominated me for saying uh, abstract failure instead of abject failure. That's my bad, and that's a good point. That's a good nominee. I got a little... Hmm. I didn't even catch that one. Yeah, he he was all he was on it. That's a good though. That's a good one though. I like to be checked. Uh, nominate Chris's car wreck for car wreck of the day. Maybe it was a car wreck. Somebody said they nominate Monday Night Raw. It, it wasn't great. You, you had thoughts on Monday Night Raw blinkers? No, I had cr- thoughts on the fact that it sounded like Chris was at home. You think he was at home when that? Didn't sound that? like he was on a car in his car. I haven't watched Raw. What, what was wrong about it? I mean, there's all these returns. It was great, but it's just promos. No one wrestled. Cody didn't wrestle. CM Punk didn't wrestle. Do so you like it when the, the two grown men in their underwear? I love wrestling. I'm not ashamed to say that. Wrestle around. Love You're wrestling. a WWE guy? Yeah. I prefer the promos over the matches. I didn't know that. I know really? Creighton is. Yeah, I can I like see the, that with both of you guys. I like the guys on the mic. I can see that from you. I like the guys. I, have, I really don't have a whole lot of interest in them. Uh, I'd, like to no, I'd like to nominate uh, the Texans Twitter fight that occurred today. That's a good call. It didn't. It didn't. I might have. Maybe I was the inspiration that sparked it. I'm still not. I don't think so. I don't know. It's tough to tell. I don't think he would have responded to it's your. It's tough to tell because that's tweet. that's the pattern that develops from said, yeah, quote unquote, quote yeah. in quotes media members. Sarge and John Crumpler got into it though. They had a little, little bit of a, who's, a little argument. I still don't know John Crumpler. He's a guy who's on Twitter that puts out Texans content. He's okay. a taunt, he's a content creator There's like no me. No slap in the face of John Crumpler. I just don't know him. I've never met him. But we, we interact via Twitter. We DM each other every now I and then. I give John Crumpler credit. We did DM each other a little bit today, actually. Okay. Crumpler and I did. I had, some, I, had a, I had a few people slide into my DM saying what uh, Sarge said. <laughs> it was interesting. I didn't take any offense to it. I thought it was, I think the whole Isn't that funny. the hashtag, though, interesting? I think so. Yeah. That's the one with the sniper fire. Normally, it's hashtag interesting, but you can't, you can't respond back. Yeah. Unless he approves you following him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Oh, I just don't believe in that kind of philosophy. You don't believe in that kind of... I don't... I, to me... If you're going to throw it out there and throw fire at somebody, let somebody defend themselves or come back at you. I agree to that. I think that I am not... A, I'm anti-block on Twitter. And look, this is just my... 
prerogative. Like, everybody has their own prerogatives. I'm not telling people how to fan. I'm not telling people how to Twitter. Like, if, if this is, I mean, people can do whatever they want. They're grown men. They can do whatever they want. They're adults. They can do whatever they want. I am anti-block, anti-turn comments off on Twitter. Like, if you're going to dish, you got to be able to take it. And also, if you're allowing commenters to, like, affect your mood, Soft. Yeah, I kind of. I, I actually. Soft. I think the mute button is way funnier because I like then because the then people can just like constantly tweet at you and think that like they're trying to get a rise at you, but you'll literally will never see it. Right. I I've learned. More. I've I learned to love that much it. more. Yes. I've learned to use it. I, a, I tried to avoid mm-hmm. it, but I've learned to use it. I'm a big advocate for the for the mute. What do you do? You do for you or the? Um, what do you do on your timeline? Whenever you're looking at your timeline, do you do the for you or the active one? Uh, usually, I for you or following. I kind of go back and forth. I do more for you these days. Really, I I yeah. lean more the following, but I'll, I'll I'll sporadically look at the for you. Yeah, I've been I'm in more for you lately. So every now and then you can like if you do for you, you can limit the amount you see if people's post. I use that all the time, all the time. All right, what's winning here? Chris's phone Chris, call. I mean, it was, Chris, a, it, no was brainer. it was a no brainer, right, Joe? Oh, Unanimous. Yeah. All right. Chris's phone. Congratulations, Chris. Your phone car, our car wreck of the day. Presented Call by CarWreckTexas.com. 713-999-8773 for your free consultation. If you've been in a car wreck, 713-999-8773 or visit CarWreckTexas.com. Joe, are you doing radio? I am. All right. Very good. Keep it here. It's going to do it for us. Thanks to Joe for all the hard work. He's blank on Branham. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston. Joe George in the bullpen up next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.